When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Reckless speculation. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Wiggins came in there though and knocked him off. Andrew let it fly at the buzzer. Bridles it in and man, did the Timberwolves need that? The third straight turnover by Minnesota. Paul, Robert Covington comes in, says, Give me that basketball. Gordon attacking Wiggins. Andrew gets a hand on it. Get that shot out of here. Man, uh, were you at the game last night? I was not. I was watching at home uh, on Fox Sports North. I actually, I had, uh, this isn't, this. I hope this isn't a name drop. I don't think it is because he used to work at the station. Matt Thomas is the road voice for the Rockets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we had breakfast early this morning before uh, the team flight flew out. He does, he does public address for their home games, right? Yes. He's the only guy in the country that does public address announcing in the arena and does radio broadcast, too. He does the radio on the road and the public address at home. Do you have clips of him? I have a... Uh, I got to wait for the thing to load up. We'll, we'll get to that. Well, continue we, on. We were... Uh, like, the first question I asked him was, what the hell happened to your team? That was... <laughs> but maybe, now that I think about it, I think it was more a reflection last night on the Timberwolves post-Jimmy Butler yep. and how powerful it can be when you love your coworkers, yep. compared to what we saw in that series against the Rockets last year, and it was very obvious, everybody hated each other. Jimmy Butler hated the young guys. The mm-hmm. young guys resented Jimmy Butler, at least Carl Anthony Towns did to some extent. And it just felt like a joyous group that enjoyed being around each other. The Rockets felt a little older last night. We got so much love for each other. You know, we just kept trying to tell each other, you know, we're going to grind ourselves back into this game. And when we did it, it was just coming back to the huddles every single time about, you know, don't let them score. No, don't let anyone score. If they're going to make a bucket, make them have to make something that's tremendously hard. So we did a great job in those minutes of just making everything very difficult, uh, realizing the things and the mistakes we've made throughout the game and capitalizing on them in the fourth. But that was what I thought. I thought that's a group that actually enjoys working together and being around each other. And the group that we saw get run out of that series in the postseason last year couldn't wait to get to the offseason and go vacationing, Judd. Absolutely. Yeah, no, they have... The thing about it is Covington... Covington might not be as good as Butler is, but the thing about him that impresses me is he brings all the intangibles that we thought Butler would, right? Everything. He is, he knows when, when to prod guys. He knows when to back off. He's a veteran who, who it seems like can probably interpret what the head coach wants without the head coach having to yell and bellow. He does everything that we thought in that capacity Butler would, but mm-hmm. couldn't do. And he does it. And his 
block or his jump ball force on Capella is one of the most incredible plays I've seen. To have referees who are whistle happy, who are calling fouls left and right. So this is not a mm-hmm. let them play game, right? And to have the timing to jump before Capella jumps, and, and he talked about this, and to go up with him and grab the ball and not foul him and force a jump ball is one of the best defensive plays I've seen. Did you guys hear? I, I didn't know this about Robert Covington, but apparently he's he's engaged in some sort of hand eye light or laser training. I didn't know or about something? that till last night. Did you hear this, Manny, on the broadcast? Mm-mm. Well, how did they explain it? It was like he does some sort of light training with his hands. But yeah. there's a reason why he's got these Mr. Miyagi lightning quick hands. And all the, all of a sudden, guy goes up for a dunk and there's Robert Covington. Yeah. He also then, yeah, the fact that he won the jump ball was even maybe more impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's out there. And then there was that other play where the Wolves had come back and the Wolves were up by nine points. They got the ball. Towns drives into the rim. Defense sucks in. There's three guys on Towns under the rim. And instead of him forcing up a dumb shot and then complaining about the foul, he had the wherewithal to jump up, throw a pass out to the top of the key, and Covington knocks down the three-pointer to put the basically to end the game, to put the mm-hmm. Wolves up by 12 points. And it, and so that sequence was was just an amazing representation of who the Wolves are post-Jimmy Butler. But then it went to another level when Covington turns to the bench and he drops a couple not-safe-for-radio words thumps his chest, the crowd is on its feet, celebrating, the bench is jumping up and down like a bunch of maniacs waving towels. Three or four weeks ago, could you envision the arena or the bench doing that with any result other than like a half-court buzzer beater, you know, to end a game? It's incredible. Not even close. And he's, and and the story that, that I liked from last night too is, so at the half, they're playing crappy, right? They're down. They're just, I think they were down by as many as 19 points in the first half last night. The story I love yep. is they go in the locker room, and without the head coach coming in or saying a thing, they're all like, this is going to change. Yeah. That's that's the difference. But it is funny because, again, I'll go back to think about what we expected Butler to do. It was this. This was supposed to be Jimmy Butler, right? Mm-hmm. The guy who would interpret between Tibbs and the players, the guy who would play unbelievable defense and not berate his teammates, but help them out. Everything Covington's doing is what we had expected. Yeah, it's uplifting. It's happy. It's empowering. Yeah, he's not making fun of people, basically. And Butler is just browbeating as if that's going to help. It might make you feel great if you're Jimmy Butler to go, you know, dump on a teammate that doesn't get it or. Andrew Wiggins has deserved to be, to be dumped on, but if you're in the room and you're looking for a solution, is dumping on him really a solution? And no. Jimmy Butler thought that it was. Tom it, Thibodeau might think that it is. And it's certainly not to, to dump on Cat. Mm-hmm. That's the one that never made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And Co- I think Covington's a smart dude, and I think Covington looks at Cat and says, meal ticket. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to attach myself to him, and this is a meal ticket. This guy's an all-star, all-NBA player. I'm really good. I'm not him. Yeah. I have another question for you off that game, but did you find our buddy Matt Thomas? Is this in arena? Yes, this is uh, him doing the uh, player introductions for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I think it might have been like game five of the Western Conference Finals last year, and it's he, he just sounded so enthused to be introducing the uh, the Warriors. The center, 6'7", from Michigan State, number 23, Draymond Green. <laughs> and one guard, 6'7", from Washington State, number 11, Clay Thompson. The other guard is 6'3", from Davidson, number 30, Stephen Curry. <laughs> Head coach of the Warriors, Steve Kerr. <laughs> oh, that's marvelous. Great stuff. <laughs> that's great. I love it. So, as of right now... 
the Timberwolves would be on the outside looking in. They're 500. If the playoffs started today, the Mavericks would actually be the eight seed. The Wolves are a half game behind the Mavericks, and they're uh, they're tied with the Kings. Uh, but based on what we've seen in the eight games, I think it's eight games post Jimmy Butler. At what point do we start to say that this is not? I'm not saying that they're the Warriors right. dynasty, but like, at what point do we start to say? Okay, they dismantled the Spurs, who then I think got beat by 30 in their next game, too. So the Spurs are going through some stuff right now. But they did that to the Rockets, who, again, it's not the same Rockets team. But But they've been playing well lately. Right. It's not like they've just played eight bottom-of-the-barrel lottery teams. I mean, they're beating teams, even even a couple games that they won with Jimmy Butler. They're beating some teams. At what point do we say, man, this isn't a fluke. This is just an injection of life. This is a playoff team. I said... When me and Danny did Raised by Wolves last week on Thursday, because we were talking about when does this not become small sample size anymore? I said about 20 games. Okay. When you get to about so we're like 20, half, almost halfway or halfway there? We're, yeah, they're eight and three since the trade. Okay. So, I mean, I would caution, though, that this is what they should be. Like this should, this was what they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And coming to now brings the intangible factors along with on court factors that turns this team into who they, they should be. Wiggins is sort of the next step because if he can ever just, if he can play like he did last night, it's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. But I think what we're seeing now is, is what we should have expected. Actually, I don't think that I don't think that we should say it's a fluke. I think we we should say this is what we expected when Butler was on the team. You know, with you bringing that up about Wiggins, like Wiggins is the next step. Aren't the Wolves pretty much just the Sixers now, except instead of having two stud young players in Joel Embiid, uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, they have one and they're wait. If Andrew Wiggins were Ben Simmons, if he were what a number one overall pick should be, then the Wolves would be competing for. Conference finals type right status right winning fifty games and yeah yeah I mean I'm probably, talking pre Jimmy Butler no, Sixers because right. they had Covington yeah. and Charich now having J J Redick out there sniping three pointers also adds a layer for them right. too but they, so let's say and some people would say that Embiid is a better play let's say Embiid and Cat cancel out mm-hmm. and Charich uh, and Covington were on both teams. And you got some role players and some veterans around. And the biggest difference is their number one overall pick in Ben Simmons is awesome. Even if he can't shoot, he's he's court he aware, else. high basketball IQ. He passes, he Which rebounds. Is what you need. Right. And Wiggins once in a while has a game last night that's not a train wreck. Let's not go crazy praising his game but, last but night. But why can't he repeat that game? Like that game was not great, but but he was engaged. He yeah. played. He did everything that you should be able to do consistently, right? Because mm-hmm. it's effort. Play hard. Like it's not like he went out for forty, and you said, "Well, that, he's not not go- going to repeat that again." He played hard. He played engaged. He played good defense. Th- that should the game that we saw last night should be the expectation. And and you look at that game, and you might say, "Okay, that's not a superstar player." Mm-hmm. But you know what that is? That's an incredibly serviceable player that you can have show up. That guy could show up every night. Yeah. But think about this, okay? Not he doesn't deserve to be piled on because we we've done that show a hundred times, and I'll happily do it another hundred times if they keep him under contract throughout this max. But we're praising him rightfully so for having a pretty good game last night. And Jim Pete even ended the project. I think sometimes Jim Pete feels bad because he's he's hard on Wiggins and as he should be, and so he went over the top a little at the end of the broadcast and said Wiggins was outstanding tonight. And let's say he's right, maybe he was outstanding. It's still a game in which Wiggins. Had zero assists, uh, went two of five from the free throw line. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, 
think it's like even his outstanding but, games are. Ooh, but you know what he did last free night? Throw line. He made a mark at least. Like you watch that game and, and said things happen. He showed up. How many games do the Wolves play where you're like, did he even play tonight? That's my problem. So I'm not even asking for a great statistical output. What I'm saying is, make me notice you. Yeah, I think the focus for him just needs to to get away from. I gotta get. I gotta get shots. I gotta get. I gotta score. I gotta score points. Right. You know when he when you get what we got last night where he's just doing things. He's just active. He's playing defense and get your shot when when they come to you. Don't try to don't try to force a long two because you feel like you got to get. 17 shots in a game. If you get last night, he took what yeah. 11 shots, but but that's, that's a, fine. That's a great point because that goes back to to after he had a good game last year. And Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press asked him a question and he sort of chuckled and said, I just love my shot. Mm-hmm. So your point's a great point because yeah. that that's what you've got to get over. Quit yeah. loving your shot, understand what your limitations are because there's other things that, that you can do consistently to help this team. Judge just said you had a great point. Celebrate that. Right. <laughs> we should have this ding should be whenever uh, whenever we because we always pump our fist when a guest tells us that's a great point. That's a great question. Yeah. We should do this all. Do it for but, la- but to that to that point about Wiggins last night field goal attempts. Let's just look at field goal attempts alone. This is what it should be every night. Carl Anthony Towns gets twice as many as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Period. Yep. Maybe not quite that aggressively, but and he wasn't that great from the field. He was ten of twenty four and missed a lot of shots inside, uh, but. He shoots 24 times. Wiggins shoots 11 times. That's a, a two to one ratio with those guys is what it should be. Wiggins actually takes more shots statistically than Cat does. So, how that hasn't been coached out of him is amazing. But it's almost always five for 18 or six mm-hmm. for 19. He never gives you an eight for 11. Last night, he gave you a six for 11. But he, mm-hmm. LeBron gives you nine of 15, eight of 13, free, 12 free throws in a game, and then mm-hmm. 19 assists and rebounds combined. So, just pick and choose a little bit better is, is probably the moral here. Mackie and Judd, uh, we've got Mike Goley Jr. coming up in about 15 minutes or so. The Football Hour and Purple Live with Cronin and Matthew Collar. Uh, we can get to the awkward interview with a Wolves legend. Is that the word? I don't know. Well, former Wolves player. Yeah, Legendary form- in some way. Should have yeah. been a legend. Yeah. But his pipes froze. <laughs> Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 494 westbound. We've got a crash near Mendota Heights. Uh, that's between Delaware, Delaware Avenue and uh, Highway 149, which is uh, Dodd Road. So be on the lookout for that. That's causing about uh, two or three minute delay. Gentlemen. Thank you, Manny. All right, I need to know from somebody over there, what's the, what are the results? I know you guys have four polls up from the three o'clock hour. I need to know the most important poll results. The better looking coach poll results. <laughs> this should be a runaway by now. I got I to gotta be honest. I think I'm more of a Sean McVay guy. Uh, Well, Phil, I think you're on the wrong side of that one. But I'm not just including looks here. I want the guy who is wildly successful professionally, not the guy who just got canned and is on LinkedIn updating his resume. (laughs) Looks like Ryan Gosling. He got canned for a better job, though. Cliff did? He's he's going to be the offensive coordinator. Oh, see. Oh, I didn't hear that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he's going to be. The the poll started. Well, no, but wait. But that's not a better job than head coach. Oh, USC? 
Probably better than being a head coach at Texas Tech. Well, it's a huge pay cut. But the poll, the poll started because Cunningham said, is, is Los Angeles big enough for both the very hot Kingsbury and McVay? <laughs> Can we get those two and Gosling in the same room at the same time? What would it happen? It's Hollywood. I mean, What's the poll right now? So it's 56% Cliff Kingsbury right now, 44% Sean McVay. Interesting. Sean McVay's a lot shorter than Cliff Kingsbury, too, difference. right? Here's the difference. I probably lean that way. I'm a short guy myself. If you, if you cast a film... And Kingsbury was in, in the film. He'd be the main guy. He'd survive. McVeigh would be in the film, but you'd kill him near the end. I'd kill McVeigh. Kingsbury, star. star we, did we just dive into a game of date, Mary kill there? <laughs> I'm saying if you no, if, if you can, if you brought back Lethal Weapon, okay, and Riggs and what's his face, Murtaugh, Murtaugh, and you had to kill one, and the Lethal Weapon team was McVeigh and Kingsbury. McVeigh don't stand a chance because he's just a little bit, he's just a little bit trollier looking. Yeah, you'd shoot him. You know what's awesome? About, you know what's awesome <laughs> about both of those guys? They both have names of like their their name types are like of Hollywood actors. You're right. Cliff Kingsbury. McVeigh, watch out! <laughs> An all new action thriller. Sean McVeigh. <laughs> Kingsbury, get down! Oh my god. Um, I. It's I uh, I did see the J.R. Ryder post game interview last night with Marnie, and I was a little nervous. Oh God, you know what's he gonna say? Is he? And he was. They talked about his charity, but then apparently he also spoke with reporters after this. So let's let's do a little before and after here. Let's play a clip of Happy J.R. Ryder with Marnie Gellner, and then J.R. Ryder with the assembled media. This is this is J.R. with Marnie after the game. J.R. Ryder who was drafted by the Wolves in 93, played three seasons here. You were introduced to the crowd tonight to a standing ovation. What's it like to be back here at Target Center? That was awesome. It, it feels great to be back. It's an honor and a privilege. I'm so happy to be back. So butterflies and nervousness, but excitement once I got that uh, that ovation. It brought back memories. So super likable, right? Oh, just excited, nervous. I, and then I tweeted different guy. Working with the kids, they went on and talking about his charity work and stuff. And, and so uh, then... Sometime later on, J.R. Ryder with the assembled media. J.R., what do you what do you what do you tell kids these days? As and how do you relay some of your experiences to them to try and have them go on the right path? You know what? I'm not here to talk about getting kids on the right path. Well, mentoring, or is that what you're doing? Like. Yeah. It's like you guys are both talking about something. I know how this works in this town. If you want to talk about anything else, go for it. But I know what you do in this town. Spend bad times, spend bad experiences. So you guys are both have these questions. Don't ask me those anymore. Can still, it to something else. Can you still slam it? Anyone else have questions? Yeah. I remember you. Wait, was that, was that Shooter at the yeah, end? Can you, shooter. can you still slam it? <laughs> two, two of the nicest guys in this town, Johnny Krasinski and Charlie Walters. <laughs> can you still slam it? Does anybody What's else so uncomfortable at that point? What, are, what am I missing? So he's mentoring kids, mm-hmm. and Johnny Apparently. gives him a softball question. It's like, dude, you've been arrested. You've had ma- your your whole career was derailed at the age of thirty because of your own problems. Danny Cunningham said that that right before you played the the soundbite that started with the Krasinski question, that Jr. had talked about that. So Johnny's question was just like, "Oh, you said you're doing this, so let's talk about it." Imagine being so. First of all, insecurity is a powerful thing, as evidenced in that soundbite. But imagine getting offended by that question, in which you could take your answer any which direction, right? You know what? 
I don't really want to talk about the past, but it has been great mentoring kids. Here's where you can find out more information, blah, blah, blah. Instead, that's his answer. You get to come back and you get microphones in your face, maybe for the first and last time. First time in 10 years. How, how like At what point is he going to have a microphone in his face like that in the next 10 or 15 years? J.R. Ryder. And that's how he uses that platform. I know. Dude, come on. I know. That's amazing. But it's absolutely bizarre that he talked about what he was doing. And then, of course, the reporter just follows up with, oh, okay, tell us more about it. I, I know how those things work here. How what works, I know how it works in this town. Yeah. Like, no, really? Like how, we're in New no, York. We're asking about your your charity work here, your mentoring work. And that poor shooter who does a notes column. I remember you. <laughs> is, that, is that what he was doing, pointing at shooter? I remember, I remember you. you. I mean, th- he wouldn't answer Charlie's question because he supposedly remembers Charlie. Little bird told me this. <laughs> Bleep you. Wouldn't that have been great? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Mike Oleg Jr., should we get to him? Yes. Mike Oleg Jr. Uh, loves football, and we love having him on, so he's going to join us when we come back here. Plus the football hour and Purple Live, all between 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock with Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin. Luther Brookdale Toyota is in play for the holidays. I keep seeing all these commercials with bows on the cars. I mean, first of all, find a new angle. But secondly... If you're going to go down that path, maybe put a bow on a brand new 2019 RAV4 or a Highlander if you want to go even bigger and splashier in the driveway. Uh, you know, you could be uh, you could be part of one of those made-for-TV commercial moments. Or if you're not looking to make such a big splash, but you're just looking for something reliable, you're just looking for a service department that's got your back and gives you peace of mind. My guys on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard at Luther Brookdale Toyota have been doing that with my family and I for 30 plus years. It's a combination of great customer service, knowledge, expertise, and with the facility they just built about six years ago, it's about comfort, the Luther Lounge, coffee and tea and complimentary snacks, play area for the kids, cable TVs all over the place with uh, 70-inch screens. It's 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, Luther Brookdale Toyota. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. This is home. This is uh, where I grew up. My, It's not healthy, but I came to work every day with fear of letting people like Archie Griffin and my great state of Ohio, our great state of Ohio, and this incredible university down because this is home. I'm a graduate of Ohio State. We have the best fans in the land, and, and I didn't want to let them down. So in 2014, had that surgery, and then it recurred last year. I started dealing with some issues last year. I hired Ryan Day because I thought he was a very good coach. I knew he was. He was with me before. What I found out that he's far, uh, far past those uh, thoughts. He's elite. And I think, you know, in trying to build the most comprehensive premier program in America, you also want to hand it off to someone at some point uh, so that it can even get stronger. Football. So what do we think, Mike Goley Jr.? Is this going to be like 2011 where Urban Meyer took a year off to hang with family and then came back and coached for another eight years? Is, he, is, he, is it USC in two years, or do you think he's done done at age 54? Uh, guys, I just can't imagine there's a world where he's done, right? Like, these coaches are all wired the same. They're too competitive. 
They miss the dirt under their feet. They miss the clicker in their hands. Like, these are all the things that we hear over and over again, these constant refrains from these guys, as they all do the same thing. We just watched Matt Brown and Herm Edwards leave the friendly confines of Bristol, Connecticut, for jobs that, yeah, maybe don't give you as much glory, but it's certainly markedly less work. But that's not who these guys are. So will I be shocked in a year? No, absolutely not. What school do you think he goes to? Now, I've said that the Trojans would be perfect because that's a program at which he could thrive and that has taken a step back. But if you had to guess, where do you think he ends up? Well, that seems to be the one that makes the most sense, right? Just because as much as the you know endorsement Clay Helton's got going into next year certainly means it still doesn't seem like that's a program and a coach that necessarily fit together long-term. Just knowing the way Southern Cal has thrived in the past and what it usually takes in that town to really make a splash. And to make a splash, it seems like Urban Meyer, but we know how much the landscape of college football changes year to year. We have no idea what's going to be available in that time. So it sounds good to say something like that now, but it's going to be a wild card. That I have no doubt. So from from what you can glean and in, in, in you know your time behind the scenes, college football, what goes into those jobs at the highest level? I mean, we all hear about coaches sleeping overnight in their offices and, and anxiety and stress, and we see the weight gain. You know, I, I can't name an NFL coach other than maybe Sean McVay that doesn't look like they're – you know, plowing mashed potatoes for every meal. But what what goes into being that good Power Five conference, top coach, et cetera? Well, it's, it's, you know, we hear it all the time, but it's a year-round job. And in college especially, I think it's just a different version of that year-round job. Because in the NFL, your job is to coach football. Like now your job is to figure out how to beat some of the best minds in the world and some of the best players in the world. But it's just to coach football. When you go to these schools, and, you know, I've certainly seen it firsthand at a place like Notre Dame that demands it as uniquely as anywhere else. you got to go over there and you got to massage the people across the street and the academic side of things and make sure that's straight, not only so that the kids you've got on campus right now can thrive, but so that the kids you're trying to get into school can come in and be a part of what you're trying to build. Then you've got to be, be with, in front of the alumni in a way that satiates all of them and make sure that everyone feels good there. And you've usually got a board of trustees, and you've got so many people that have their hands out wanting a piece of your time that you've also got to go overboard in the preparation for football because that's what these guys are ultimately here to do, and that's what all of the good ones recognize their job is ultimately predicated on. So it's constantly dealing with distractions and people wanting things. You know, I remember getting a chance to talk to Charlie Strong. I did a USF game a couple of weeks ago, and he said that was the biggest thing about the Texas job is practice almost ends up being like an escape for these guys because every minute of the rest of their day is someone asking them for something, and you just see it ages them presidentially. And now the tough questions start, Mike Golick Jr. In the Dr. Pepper Challenge, do we approve of the chest throw, or would we, if we (laughs) ran it, would you decide that everyone must throw that into the can, the oversized can, with a football motion? Listen, this is the way I want to put it is, if you want to make that rule for everyone, then sure. But the way I see it, and, and having been up close, because I used to be like everybody else. I used to be against the chest pass. And then I got up close and personal, and I saw, you know what? Not everyone's built to throw a football. Hell, I can't throw a football all that well. So if you want to give the most people a chance to get this life-changing sum of money, you go with the chest pass because it's peak efficiency. Like, I'm all for innovation, and that's what we see across football right now. The chest pass is the tip of the iceberg. I saw people in the preliminary rounds, because there's rounds before we get to the show on Saturday, 
And I saw people in the preliminary rounds going for some underhand throws, the kind of things you'd see like an official whipping a ball from the sideline to the middle of the field. And I thought, there's a thinker. Get your hand down low as close to the bucket as possible. Get it going up as fast as possible. I want to see people continue to push the boundaries now. Let's not stop with the chest pass. Let's make this even more futuristic. Let's find a new way because this $100,000 on the line, anyone can rip me however I want. They're not paying my tuition the way Dr. Pepper's about to. So I, I, I've come full circle on this, and I now support the chest pass. You know what I would do just to show off? I would long snap the ball into the into the hole. <laughs> I would win. I would win it. I would long you snap it. it. I would long snap it. You know how long that would take. But how? You know but what? you'd be a legend forever if you take. long snapped it and you won it. I tried it. Man, is that difficult? Like I went out there and I thought, you know what? I can't throw a football worth a damn. But I used to snap a football for a little bit. I can give that a try. <laughs> and it is amazing. Unless you have been used to snapping to like Brock Osweiler, who's six eight, it's a really difficult hole to try and hit in there. And uh, let me just say, not peak efficiency, but you're right. You would be an internet legend. Isn't that what really, we're really all trying to get to anyway? Yeah, exactly I right. mean, if so if you're pro chess pass in the football challenge, I mean, if, if, it's, if it's really all about efficiency, doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter what people think, are you then pro underhand free throws for guys like Dwight Howard, Shaquille O'Neal, these guys who are too prideful and shoot 45% from the charity stripe? Hey, man, it's good enough for Jackie Moon. Why wouldn't it be good enough for the rest of us, right? <laughs> right? Like if, you, if you can go semi-pro with that kind of style, then I feel like you should be able to take it all the way. And, again, like it makes you a phenomenon at that point. And, like, listen, at the end of the day, we're all trying to stay employed. Like, If there was some sort of gimmick I could do, the equivalent of that, to make sure that I stayed employed in the radio business I'm in now, I'd be doing it in a heartbeat. There is no shame to my game. So why am I going to look at other people and cast judgment when I know I'm going to be doing whatever is new and next if it means I still got checks coming in? Okay, what what is something that, that has occurred to you that is simple to do that, that in this business – you could employ yeah, what's your that would make you make your life easier. How about taking calls for six hours and falling asleep once in a while? You could do that. That's already been done. Oh, okay. Francesca yeah, has I, that one. I was going to say, see, I thought I thought about that, guys, and I thought about, you know, maybe I'd be the yeller, but then I realized I don't have the pipes like Stephen A. I can't pull that off. I can't be a contrarian. I can't go on there. I'm not smart enough to pull that off right now. So I figured, you know what, for me, everything eventually comes back around and comes in style, right? Like retro comes back. And so I figured my dad's been doing this long enough, the bit of, you know, eating and being the ex-player and hand-in-the-dirt guy, that eventually that's going to become valuable again. We're going to push past this analytics movement and all these things, and eventually I'm going to arrive right back in home base in about four or five years and be good to go. Speaking of style, let me congratulate you and thank you. Your attire for, for the deal on Saturday, as a guy who likes to dress comfortably and is telling people that things like ties and fitted pants and all that BS is is massively uh, t- taken as being too important, your attire on Saturday on national TV was perfect. It was absolutely perfect, and I'm not kidding you. No, hey, listen, I appreciate that. And you know what I guess it is, is... I don't really care. Like, I, I was going to go out there and own whatever I'm wearing. 90% of fashion is confidence, or at least that's the number that I've made up in all of this. And going out there, I said, you know what? I want to dress like me. I watched a lot of tape leading up to that to try and understand how this process goes. And I saw everyone wearing sh- suits, looking uncomfortable, looking stiff. And I said, man, I'm going out here to try and relax the contestants. That's my job. And so if I don't do that with my attire, they're already going to be on edge. And I'm not doing my job the best I can. And it doesn't allow me to be max comfortable, which is what I strive for at all times. I work in radio, for God's sake. Yeah, true. Uh, We have a poll right now that we posted about 45 minutes ago. 
Actually, we have four different polls from each of the segments in the 3 o'clock hour. Uh, Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury, both in Los Angeles now that Cliff Kingsbury has migrated to uh, to Southern California. So uh, if, if you had to choose one of them to be on your arm for uh, for a night, which one would you choose? Oh, Cliff, every day and twice on Sunday. Oh, man. Thank, question. You, like, thank you very is, much. That is, that is, that yeah, is not it, even a question. He's you're you're going to take the guy who just got fired professionally over the guy who's wildly successful and makes like more money? You can't not take him. You asked who I wanted on my arm. At the end of the day, Cliff Kingsbury is going to bounce back. Like I w- If I'm Texas Tech, I would not have fired that guy on looks alone. But we know he's already got people knocking at his door, man. Like That's just the nature of being one of the beautiful people. And that guy has all of it. Former quarterback, high-level athlete, was in the NFL for a little bit. Like He's got all that stuff. So if you're asking me who I want on my arm, it's that guy. Who do I want calling plays and leading the charge? It's Sean McVay, but that's not the question. That's exactly right. Okay, I, that's a, I said this. Fair. If you if you were to cast them in films, right? Cliff Kingsbury is the hero and survives. McVeigh makes the film. He makes it towards the, the end. Undoubtedly, you kill him off, though. McVeigh dies. Oh, he, Kingsbury doesn't he die. He looks like a better... Okay, I'll give you this on Sean McVeigh. He looks like a better-looking version of Sean Astin. He's a better-looking version of Rudy Rudiger, yeah. basically. Yeah, you know what? He, well, he's Rudy with a little bit of edge, right? Like, he grew up... With some frosted tips or something, yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say late 90s Rudy would probably be it, right? If he was just Rudy from a different era, that would end up being Sean McVay. Now, maybe went on to a bit more success than the actual Rudy, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah. Well, correct that, answer. That was a heck of a talk right there. Thanks, Michael. Michael I appreciate Jr. that. Good stuff. We'll <laughs> Thanks, guys. Back See me up. <laughs> Bye. Back me up. You can find his show if you want to get up super early or if you're still up really late between the hours of 3 and 5 a.m. Central Time on 1500 ESPN and also on Golik and Wingo. I will, uh, in closing here, I will actually argue that Cliff Kingsbury has had more success in the NFL than Sean McVay. You know why? He has a Super Bowl ring. He won a Super Bowl with the Patriots in 2003. Was he a special teams guy or practice squad guy? He was a backup quarterback. I think he was like the third string quarterback. Really? I think so, yeah. So who was their backup quarterback in 2000? Who was, the, who was Brady's backup when he won three rings in four years? Uh, let's see. I don't think Castle, because he was on the team that beat the Panthers in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 38. I don't think Matt Castle was there yet. This guy looks exactly like Gosling. I mean, you can't take Sean McVay. He actually looks like a oh, cross man. between Ryan Gosling and Bobby Hurley. <laughs> kind of got the sunken eyes. <laughs> this just got uncomfortable. <laughs> Football hour is uh, coming up shortly. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Whoa. on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yes. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick uh, check on your traffic here before we do an early wrap with Royce. 394 eastbound. Uh, we've got a crash near Minneapolis between... Uh, Lake Street and Penn Avenue. It's about a five-minute delay. Thank you, sir. TCL Broadcast Studios. Time to wrap with Royce, which we'll do right now before the football hour starts with the Cronin and Collar at 5 o'clock. All right, Patrick, I'm going to start you with this one. It's our. It's one of our few uh, 1,500 ESPN Twitter polls we've got today. With Cliff Kingsbury now supposedly going to take the OC job at USC, the better-looking guy in Los Angeles, Kingsbury or Sean McVay? I don't... No, if I've ever looked at King uh, Kingsbury, I'm not sure. I I, I can't tell you. They, Ryan they Gosling lookalike, Patrick. They both have the advantage of youth, I would say. So, uh, you know, I I can't say McVeigh is. Uh, I don't know. I like the uh, 
I kind of like the uh, rugged look of the guy uh, Nagy. I like Nagy in Chicago. I oh, like Matt Nagy. I got a little, you know, a he's got that snow little in the beard. two-day beard going. And yeah. Kind of a... Old guy. Kind of, Kind of a, yeah, I like him. I think he's kind of that rugged guy that, uh, you know, he'd be a good time on a date, I think. Yeah, you like the the, the glistening of the beard and the sleet of Chicago? <laughs> you know, I can see myself down there on the shore of Lake Michigan on a warm summer day rubbing lotion on his back. <laughs> kind of a, I think he's got some rippling muscles underneath that, uh, that, uh, I thought there might be a few directions in which you would take this conversation. I didn't see Matt Nagy coming. Yeah, well, I don't know. That's kind of a look I like. Uh Is it possible that the Bears actually hired a good coach? Yes. They may have. <laughs> yeah. They yes. may what have. What a miracle that'd be, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they were down. Well, they were down. They they lost, but they were down ten points with like three minutes to go in that game against the Giants with a backup quarterback, and they. Almost pulled it out. Yes, you guys are too young to remember Abe Gibbon, aren't you? Yes, <laughs> I am. I am too. The offensive line coach who weighed like three eighty and couldn't say a sentence. I mean, he couldn't speak, and he was one of their uh, he was one of their geniuses that Bud had to beat to end up going to the Hall of Fame. You know. I can't remember when he was there, late 60s, maybe. I mean, this guy, you'd see him on the street, you'd give him a buck, you know, and he was coaching the Bears. It was God, just one of the biggest idiots of all time. What was his name, Pat? Abe Gibron, G-I-B-R-O-N. I'm not sure how many years he coached him. Let's pull up a picture of him. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm doing a sure he looks Google like an Abe image Gibron, search right, right now. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I look like a bodybuilder compared to Abe Gibbons. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Patrick, did, did you hear what our guy Jr. did last night when uh, Johnny Krasinski tried to ask him a question? Uh, Have you heard this? No, 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 no. Play I don't him. know how well this will translate to Pat on the phone, but we'll play this and see. It's yeah. a, the audio is a little tough to pick up, but it's... So just so you can listen, Johnny K tees up just a softball. Hey, you know, you're mentoring kids now, you know... You know, what have you been able to kind of teach those kids? And then Jr.'s answer to that is uh, he's not happy with the questioning. Jr., what do you what do you what do you tell kids these days? As and how do you relay some of your experiences to them to try and have them go on the right path? You know what? I'm not here to talk about getting kids on the right path. Oh, mentoring, or is that what you're doing? Like. Yeah. So you guys are both talking about something. I know how this works in this town. If you want to talk about anything else, go for it. But I know what you do in this town. Spend bad times, spend bad John. experiences. So you guys are both have these questions. Don't ask me those anymore. Still Spin it to can, something else. Can you still slam it? <laughs> Anyone else have questions? Yeah. I remember you. Did you hear that? I remember you. Oh, he's a beauty. Hey, by coincidence, uh, yesterday I was reading... Uh, an SI, uh, a book that's been written about the uh, Portland Jailblazers. Yeah. And uh, one of the, and the, the it's, uh, somebody, Sports Illustrated had a chapter of it from an airline stewardess uh, who flew all her charter flights, and she was like Paul Allen's uh, stewardess that flew on all her flights and, uh, you know, his private jet. And she said this was the one 
jailblazer that scared her. And she was, uh, he said she was, he was the biggest creep she ever dealt with, with uh, all those, uh, those uh, Toronto, uh, Portland trailblazers. So, so yeah. like a just, ma- Imagine having a microphone in your face for the first time in however many years, and maybe the last time, and someone asks you about oh, mentoring oh yeah. kids, and you know, how have you used your past experiences to help this, and getting offended by that question. I mean, come yes. on. Well, I think, you know, he knew he was treated unfairly here in the Twin Cities because some of us thought maybe that uh, when he was living in a new downtown condo and his excuse for not making it on time on a 50-degree winter day was that his pipes were frozen, we kind of thought maybe that was BS, but I guess we were just treating him unfairly, you know. So. It, it was J.R. who, who McCluskey drafted, and, and then... Challenged Sid to a fight when Sid well, kept Sid saying that about Cheney, right? They basically challenged each other to a fight. Yeah, well, first of all, J.R. was supposed to be there at noon, and he missed his plane in San Francisco, and so he rolls in about 5 in the afternoon, and Sid's mad because he didn't, they didn't take Calvert Cheney, his Bobby's guy, you know. Bobby wanted him to take Calvert Cheney, so Sid wanted him to take Calvert Cheney. It was a terrible draft, by the way, so... They were taking talent, but Sid basically yelled at McCloskey that McCloskey had told him he was going to take Cheney and that McCloskey was an idiot. And they were, yeah, they were basically screaming at each other. It was fantastic. And J.R. standing there saying, boy, I should do well in this town because these guys are as goofy as I am, but it didn't work out that way. Well, they uh, they were down. I I told you guys the greatest ever story about him, uh, the Salty Sea Captain, uh, Bill Blair. It uh, was Barrero named him the Salty Sea Captain, but uh, Capel is the new columnist at the Pioneer Press, and it's the opening night, and he's going to write the new JR piece. He's been working on it for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And this is 20 games later, Blair got fired, but he's telling them all about how JR is committed now and all that, and Blair looks at him and says, J.R. Ryder is a piece of bleep. (laughs) (laughs) The head coach, as we start a new season, ladies and gentlemen. It was great. You think the the Jimmy Butler mess was screwed up? These guys with Leitner and Ryder was the all-timer. So what was the purpose of bringing him back last night? I have no idea. They brought back Googs for the fair, and Googs is a decent enough guy, but Googs is another bad memory. They're reliving bad memories. It's weird. It's it's back three but, but at least Googs was part of a team that, that, that made the yeah. playoffs, right? You know who we so, got to yeah. get back thought, here now. We thought that that was going to lead something, and Googs, was, Googs never was like a criminal. I don't think he was stealing cell phones and selling them out of his trunk and stuff like that out in Oakland, like, uh, J.R. was, but, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he, I'd still would, uh, not, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be around him and his buddies, J.R. Even today, I don't think well, I have I- no idea what they're doing here. So apparently it's a, it's a rehabilitation uh, <laughs> campaign for all these guys, I guess. Yes, I don't yeah. know. Well, Pat, you know, you know who they got to bring back next, right? They close all the action at buffalowildwings.com slash tournament tracker. Oh, sure. All the fans can enjoy March Madness to the fullest. Yeah. I'm waiting for Andy Eby. Let's bring back another great memory. <laughs> That's the thing. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna bring, if you're gonna, if KG doesn't come back officially, which he came yeah. back and sat at the game, and if if there's not many guys to celebrate, you might as well do the all irony team or something, right? <laughs> Rosh yeah. Nesterovich. What did David Stern call him? 
Stoico yeah. Rankovic. Yeah, where the hell Johnny Flynn when we need him? Exactly. <laughs> Best smile. Best smile in Wolves history, right? If you're going to do that, bring back David Kahn, too. Drafted these you guys. Bring back David Kahn. Bring back Johnny Flynn. <laughs> you know, the worst, I still blame, uh, who's the team that Syracuse played six overtimes against? UConn. Yeah, if it hadn't been for that, I don't think Con would ever drafted him, would have he? He wouldn't have been that stupid, would have he? You're probably right, because I remember when they drafted him thinking, oh, yeah, he was pretty good in that six-overtime game six against you guys. overtime game, he put up some big numbers. You know, he, did, he did. Six and a half hours, but he put up some big numbers. <laughs> hey, sad news today, Dupre McBrayer's dad died. I mean, mom died, and that's terrible, man. Oh, I yeah. Know. Poor kid. No wonder he's been playing, you know, so um, That's so a lot terribly. to carry. Yep. Obviously, it's brutal. It's brutal. I don't even know. I haven't read the details. She can't be very old. She might not be 50 years old. No, and he's, I don't know, he seems like, by all accounts, just a, a great kid behind the scenes. Yeah, and nice guy. Washington, uh, today, I was over there today, and Washington said that uh, he's known McBrayer since he was a freshman in high school, and he met the mom, and the mom was this great, energetic uh, woman, so it's a sad deal for the Gulfs. And uh, he'll probably play tomorrow night, and that will be quite a uh, roaring ovation for the kid, I would guess. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, that's sad. Uh, yes. Pat, we'll uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow too. All right, all right, Jim. See you, Royce. All right. Uh, also, you guys can find listeners week two. Uh, you guys are doing this every Monday on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. Royce and Judd Unchained, Unchained, yes. Unhinged, yep. Unclothed. No, we're clothed. Okay, it's Unchained though. Just Unchained. Yes. It pushes the envelope of the podcast, is what I will say. What did you guys talk about yesterday? What can people find? What didn't we talk about? We talked about, we did, did a lot on the Vikings. We talked some uh, Wolves, got some Patrick stories. It was what I would call the quintessential Roycey experience, which is all over the map. Awesome. Uh, so anywhere you find Mackie and Judd on demand, whether it's on your smartphone, on the 1500 ESPN mobile app, Apple Podcasts, you'll be able to find Roycey and Judd Unchained in addition to all the different Mackie and Judd stuff. Uh, Purple Live and uh, the Football Hour all sort of combined into the next two hours with you, with Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin. Let At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.